I was so glad that uh, Karen Kennedy was able to talk to you about Fuller. It wasn't planned, but uh, I also wanted to tell you something a little bit about Fuller that introduces our subject. I went down to do my usual trustee responsibility recently, and we had a luncheon to honor 35 students who received scholarships from our church. And I thought it might just be sort of a routine happening, but instead, it was a very heart-moving experience because these students from all around the world stood one by one and from the depths of their heart in ways that was a, a sincerity beyond my ability to describe, they said, thank you. They said we wouldn't be at Fuller if it hadn't been for Menlo Press. They said that they didn't do anything to deserve it. They were blown away by the fact that even though few were even Presbyterian, we don't know them, that we as Christian community would want to give to them. And one man from uh, Ethiopia, it was so beautiful, his wife was pregnant at the time and they had concluded they could not come from Ethiopia to study because they didn't have the funds and then they got this letter saying that um, they had received the scholarship and they were so grateful that they had a son and you know what they called him? Menlo. <laughs> and you know, uh, it's hard to really fathom here in America, we have so much and sometimes our thank yous are so shallow, but when you deal with students, people who have never known very much and they receive this gift of grace, it's, it's very moving. And I, as I reflected on that moment, I felt I, I was a little like Jesus um, of how he must feel when I was taking a thank you in behalf of all of us from these people. It warmed my heart. In fact, I wanted to go and hug each one of them and then I thought if I had any money in my pocket, I would have emptied my pockets and just given to them on the spot to, to meet their needs because it, my response to their gratitude was to love them even more. And you know, uh, what occurs to me is that giving thanks is the inevitable response when we understand that everything about life is a gift. Those students understood it. The same is true for us. We have nothing today. We possess nothing. We've achieved nothing that God didn't give us in grace. And so I'm hoping as we study two possible responses to God's blessings this morning, we might find some new insight into this wonderful virtue of gratitude. One is illustrated by David in the Psalms in which he erupts in praise and gratitude to God as you heard because he realizes his life is a gift. And then there was the second response illustrated by the 10 lepers. They received a blessing and yet sadly only one returned to say thank you. If we think about that story just a little bit, here you have 10 lepers who were the walking dead. They had no future. They had no hope. And Jesus had compassion on them. And he gives them this strange word which they understood. And that is go show yourself to the priests. The only way they could possibly be healed was for the priest to pronounce them clean or they could never rejoin the community. And it must have taken some kind of faith for them to step out and start a journey because leprosy was incurable. But they went ahead and did it and as the story goes, along the way they were miraculously cured. They started rejoicing, but the one who wasn't even a Jew, but a Samaritan hated by the Jews, there was one who thought, this is not only great to be blessed, I want to say thank you. So he returned to Jesus and said, thank you. Jesus asked, where are the nine? And it kind of illustrated that his heart was hurt because there was such a spirit of ingratitude. 
So with all this in mind, having just celebrated Thanksgiving, it seemed appropriate that we think about this gift of gratitude that every one of us can give to Jesus. And you realize it's one of the few things he doesn't have. We have to give it to him. I want to offer that gratitude is the opposite of grumbling. It's the source of joy and peace. And if today you're so troubled, it's very difficult for you even to think about gratitude. Finding the ability to praise God in the midst of tough circumstances is one of the best ways he helps us get through them. And so let's consider our text. First, being thankful means we understand that we are caretakers and not owners of what God has entrusted to us. I think this is one of the most cardinal truths that if you hold on to could impact your life today. To understand we're caretakers and not owners of what God has entrusted to us. The ten lepers had been given back the gift of life. A miracle that should have awakened a, a, a some kind of response of gratitude, a desire to make some kind of return for this incredible gift. If you this morning believe that God owns everything you possess, wouldn't it be natural to want to say thank you since he gave it to us in grace? And then perhaps to express that thank you, not in words, but by investing some of the resources entrusted to us in his kingdom's work. One of the beautiful things about gratitude, it replaces that American attitude of what's mine is mine with the insight, God has blessed me only for the purpose so that I might be a conduit by which others can be blessed. You know, George Gallup did an interesting study in his poll. He found that the poor give a larger proportion of their money to meet human need than the rich. And the reason being, they're surrounded by misery every day. They see it. And therefore, they want to reach out even before we do who live in this community because they can't, cannot not share when there's human need at their doorstep. I believe that when we begin to see all of life as a gift, we inevitably want to make a return. And I think that's why Thanksgiving is fast becoming one of my favorite holidays. It has the potential to make us more like Jesus, which is the goal of our church. I was having breakfast with the founder of a, a tech company here in the valley. He was a Korean and his family had moved here from Korea when he was 14. He didn't know the language. He wasn't a Christian. And he said that he had to use a dictionary and what would take an English-speaking person 20 minutes to read, it took him three hours. But he persevered, he worked hard, he went through school, got his degree, went into business, was very successful. He then sold his company. While in this process, he also became a Christian. Now, he says, I understand everything that I have is a gift from God. All my success is a gift of grace. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. And now I want to use the resources God's entrusted to me to build his kingdom. So he's investing in a Christian college in Korea. We're talking about investment in Korean students and fuller on and on. The point being, here was an immigrant who could have said, I came here. I worked hard. I sweat blood. I was a success. I deserve it. I did it. But as a Christian, he said, no, I didn't. Everything about my coming here, everything about my success was a gift of grace. And now I need to make a return. Understanding that we're caretakers, not owners, leads us to be generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure, rather than fill with the usual pride of saying, I did it. 
I think it's a beautiful happening in our lives when we understand God is the source of everything good in our lives. And that's part of the purpose of Thanksgiving. A second truth in this story, gratitude is a gift that we give to our Lord in response to what he's given to us. You see, in contrast to the nine lepers, the psalmist models the heart of that one leper who returned to say thank you. And I thought this question is something all of us ought to be asking. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and I'll call on the name of the Lord. Did you ask during the holiday season at any point, how can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? The psalmist's heart is literally bursting at the seams with joy at God's generosity in delivering him what was obviously some kind of deadly situation. <clears throat> he said, the cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. But then I called on the name of the Lord and I said, oh Lord, save me. Have you ever done that? Well, you can almost feel his emotion when he goes on to say, but you, O oh Lord, you've delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. This is how the nine lepers who had been healed from a living death should have responded. And you know, this is how every one of us should respond when we look back on a year, realize how many times God intervened, how he protected, how he provided. Shouldn't our hearts burst with joy asking the question, how can I repay you, Lord, for what you've done for me? <clears throat> you know, when someone's generous to me, my immediate desire is I want to do something for them. Not to repay them, because I can't, but simply to say thank you. When I understand then that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he could have stayed in heaven, he didn't have to leave the riches up there, but he decided, chose, because he loved us, to come here, live here, die here, be resurrected here so we could live with him forever. How do we... How do we comprehend that? How does that compute? It's almost a blessing too big to receive. And I believe that's why Jesus said, you need to celebrate this table until I come because it's going to take you a lifetime to understand that your most valuable treasure today is the fact that I love you and I died for you. And if that doesn't move us to thanksgiving, if that doesn't move us to ask God, how can I repay you for what you've done? How can I use my life as a vehicle to bless others because you've blessed me? If this table doesn't do it, nothing will. <clears throat> Some years ago, Silicon Valley was in a depression. Many of us were in marginal situations financially, I know, because I prayed with you. Many of us saw God in faithfulness sustain us and get us through those difficult times. And now, many of us are being blessed materially beyond our wildest dreams. I have some questions. What response have we made to God's goodness? Do we verbalize gratitude, but in reality believe it was our wisdom and our perseverance or just luck that carried us through and made us not only survive the 80s, but reach these uh, riches of the 90s? Have we given God anything more than a tip of our time, talent, and treasure in response to his goodness? Do we continue to pursue our self-indulged lifestyle without any sense of indebtedness to God and to the community and to those who've made this possible? In other words, do we want to make some kind of return? And then a final question, could it be 
that our lack of gratitude explains our lack of joy. You and I have read many of these studies that as the prosperity of the 90s has hit Silicon Valley, the, the joy quotient has gone down, marital, in, uh, marital tension has increased. Isn't that strange? And yet, unless gratitude replaces pride, it isn't so strange. God has given our church family a huge vision for ministry by which we can impact the world. We've been telling you about it for a year. We're in the process of doing that. Fuller is just one little chapter. Every week we tell you some new phase by which when we gather here and share, this church is impacting the world. We're not interested, I tell you every week, to build a country club comfort place for us here on Santa Cruz and Johnson. We gather so that we can become the body of Jesus touching the world. And that's going to demand a, dram a dramatic giving of our time, talent, and treasure to make this vision possible. And I know the Lord's going to lead us to do it. Because if any people on earth should be thankful, we should. If any group of people on earth want to make a return, it should be us. Several months ago, I was honored to attend a special occasion when families received a key for their new homes from Habitat for Humanity. And hundreds of us gathered who had contributed to the creation of these homes. And it was beautiful because one by one, the families stood up and some of them in very broken English said thank you, much like the Fuller students, from the depths of their heart. They couldn't understand a community that would give them something they had done nothing to deserve. And they received the Bible. But as they were receiving the key and being so grateful, I thought, you know, there's not really a, a difference, a, much of a difference between us and these beautiful people. Because I'm going to go home and I'm going to turn the key in my house. Did I do anything more to deserve that house than these people who received the Habitat house? No. It was a gift of grace. Everything, my education, everything that made it possible for me to have what I have was a gift of grace. We're all receivers. And the wonderful thing about that moment <clears throat> is that we were able to distribute what God had entrusted to us to other people so that they could be blessed. And that's God's plan. That's the purpose of gratitude. And where it breaks down is when pride makes us want to hoard what we have, thinking we deserve it and others don't. Do you want to make gratitude come alive in your life? I would suggest that we make a decision that we are not owners but caretakers, because that's what God's going to hold us responsible for in heaven. Understand that life was meant to be given away. This is why Jesus said, you can't save yourself up. And he said that strange thing, the only thing you're ever going to keep is what you're going to give away. Gratitude expressed through sharing frees us from this bondage about worry about our financial future. Replacing that fear with the confidence that God's going to provide for tomorrow. Our task as believers with the power of gratitude is to be faithful today. I have a 92-year-old <coughs> mother-in-law. She broke her hip recently. And I remember the night over at Stanford when she was going into surgery, her last words were, to us were, well, uh, either tonight I'm going to be joining Jesus and I'm going to rejoin my husband, Ted, or I'll come back because he still has some work for me to do. Well, after her surgery, which she did... Uh, survive and recover from, we had to move her into a care facility. And at that point, we'd kind of been in the process, as we always, as we get older, this happens, we began to distribute more of her goods because she could no longer really use them. They had no meaning for her. And we had been reflecting recently that mom at 92, and she was here last night, her riches today are her love of Jesus, her church, her family, 
and all of the things that she has shared along the way and sent ahead. She's been a teacher. She's helped many. And you know the things that don't really matter much to her? Uh, money doesn't matter much anymore, or big homes, or her financial future, or all the things. And it occurred to me that gratitude is going to lead us to do something very smart. We're either going to distribute in advance what we're inevitably going to have to distribute, or somebody else is going to do it for us because we hoarded it. And God has given us the mandate that if we're in charge, we can invest in his kingdom in time, talent, and treasure. And if not, inevitably it's going to be done for you. Good question. Do you want to do it? Or do you want to have someone perhaps without your heart to distribute the very things God entrusted to you and he's going to hold you responsible for them? When we say thank you and become a caretaker of God's blessings, again, we discover this wonderful truth about life. The only thing you're ever going to keep is what you give away. America doesn't really understand that as a culture, but it's definitely true because Jesus said it. So I want to challenge you this weekend to join the psalmist in asking, God, how can I repay you for all your goodness to me? And you know what God will do? He'll respond to your thank you with another gift, the gift of freedom. Freedom from the mad scramble for more and more rooted in our fears about future security. Freedom from the futility of self-indulgence associated with getting and spending and from the task of seeking to impress others with what we possess. Because you see, thankful people know everything we possess was a gift of God, so why should we be proud of it? I want to give you one P.S. I discover that when I get overwhelmed with God's goodness to me, I, I begin to feel a deep gratitude to those who have been vehicles God has used to bless me. So many of you have blessed me, our family, through the years. And I want to challenge you, as I've done, to take some time to write some letters and make some phone calls. Don't just feel thank you. Thank you. Say it. Uh, this year, I received a Thanksgiving card from a buddy. He says he doesn't send Christmas cards anymore. He gives a Thanksgiving card. And he took time to just write out some things of what he likes about me. And I, I can tell you, it made me feel warm all over to just get somebody who said, I appreciate you. And he just get, said some things. And I thought, you know, I want to do that for other people. That's a beautiful gift. So this week, <clears throat> do what the Fuller students did. Say thank you to your Heavenly Father and thank you to those friends and family who've given you so much. And if you do, no matter what you brought in to worship today in your circumstances, if you see beyond them to gratitude and praise, <clears throat> it'll heal your soul, it'll give you hope, and you'll leave here assured that God has plans for you for a future and a hope, and they're good and not for evil. And that's the reason we praise him so much. Would you bow with me in prayer? <clears throat> Lord, thank you seems so obvious. And yet in our grumbling, complaining, greedy society, we get surrounded with just the opposite all the time. And we want you to deliver us from spirits of ingratitude and grumbling. And I pray we'll leave here thankful people today, praising your name because we know you, because we were in church. And because, God, you've lavished so much upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the greatest gifts that we have is the fact that Jesus died for us. And of all the things we said this morning about gratitude, as we approach this table, this is the reason we should be thankful people. 
I want to share with you what Paul the Apostle said. He said, I delivered unto you as of first importance what I also received, how the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. That's why we're thankful. And after the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink ye all of it. <clears throat> for as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he come. Another way of saying, every time that we celebrate communion, no matter what else is going on in your life, we have everything that matters. We have Jesus, we have life, we have hope. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we give you these elements, take them from their common use, turn them into that sacred supernatural use by which we get close to you and you get close to us and fill us with gratitude in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. As you receive the bread, we'd ask you to hold it and we'll eat it together. 